Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everybody back to another r slash pro revenge video. If you want to join me in getting revenge against the YouTube algorithm, make sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by RonnieB85. Sorry dude, you lied to the landlord so no, you can't come play my new Xbox. I had an opportunity last week to purchase an Xbox Series X from Best Buy, so I jumped on it and was finally able to pick it up Tuesday after having to wait a week for it. A few weeks before that, our next door neighbor in our duplex knocked on our door and accused us of smoking weed, and a lot of it apparently in our house, to the point that his house was smelling like a bong and his mother who he lives with shouldn't have to smell it. I informed him that A, we don't smoke, and B, we live in a completely legalized state and there's other people around us who smoke outside and even grow it. So if his house stinks, then it's more than likely from other neighbors and shut the door in his face. The next day, I got a text from the landlord that said that the neighbors had complained and wanted my side of what happened, and reminded me that any kind of smoking in the unit was violating our lease and was grounds for eviction. So I told her that he was pretty rude and made a big, huge accusation about something he was totally wrong about. I reassured the landlord that we have not ever smoked in the house and don't smoke, because my significant others and I's job require random drug tests. But I also took the time to tell my landlord that the neighbor smokes cigarettes right by our front doors and the smell seeps into my house and I was tired of it. So she said she would tell him that he has to stand no less than 10 feet away from the building from now on which means he can't stand under the carports and smoke. So Tuesday, I picked up my Xbox Series X from Best Buy, and as I'm pulling into the carport, I see the dude smoking under it, clearly not caring that the landlord told him not to. He sees me and his eyes light up once he realizes I have the new Xbox in my hands and says, Oh my god, how did you get that? Can I come over and see it and play it once you get it set up? I looked at him and said, Yeah, no. Remember a couple of weeks ago you tried to tell the landlord we were smoking pot in our house and lied and almost got us evicted? Well, because of that incident, I would just rather you not come into my house ever and walked inside. Pretty sure I saw a tear under his eye before I closed the door. Considering the evidence put forth here, do you think that this guy was actually the one smoking the pot and probably lied to their own mother as well as the landlord just to try to not be responsible for it? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Slim Shetty. Talking too loudly on the phone? How about some background music? My residence is in close proximity to this establishment and we share a common wall, but it's about three and a half feet high. So you can see the walkway in that establishment and anyone who walks there can see our apartment, which is on the ground floor. The walkway had a back entrance to the establishment, which lately has become the main entrance for clients and is quite busy now. Over the time, the employees and clients of the establishment started using this walkway as a space to have breaks and make phone calls, and in India, people are generally excessively loud and do not care about others' personal space. Several complaints to the persons in charge of the organization were in absolute vain. 
So I decided that every time someone decides to talk on the phone loudly near my apartment, I turn on rock music, generally ACDC, to full volume, and on some occasions raps of Eminem. Needless to say, the area clears up in three minutes because it's too loud to have a conversation. Plus, here's a mini cherry on top of the regular cherry on top of the Sunday of awesomeness. I now know all the verses to the real Slim Shady. Will the annoying people outside my apartment please stand up? and kindly walk away. We're gonna have a problem here. I completely understand with OP because if somebody was right outside my building just talking, being real loud, imagine I wouldn't even be able to read these stories because you'd hear people chattering in the background or whatever. Although I do think it kind of comes with the territory of being in close proximity to other people, living in an apartment. Obviously you shouldn't suffer, but it's probably going to happen from time to time. And our final story of the day is by Arnot. I got you a souvenir. Yeah, I got you fired from the post office. Background. Sit back and enjoy a story about some revenge I achieved at the U.S. Postal Service back in the 1990s that cost a bullying full-time carrier his union job. In the summer of 1991, I found a summer job as a casual carrier for the USPS. They used to hire summer temps to cover for all the full-time carriers who mostly took their vacations in the summer. The USPS had, has, rules that things had to be delivered within certain time windows. People could get fired if they took too long to do tasks. Carriers were both openly and secretly monitored and timed on tasks. And we had the first computerized time system I ever saw. They would be secretly followed a few times per year to be sure they were working hard the entire time they were outside the post office. The post office building even had secret back hallways, passive sound monitoring, and hidden raised viewing areas where they could see the sorting floor unobserved. Cameras and microphones were hella expensive back then, so this was all done using tricky architecture and the eyes and ears of the postal inspectors. We were supposed to walk over and punch in and out of tasks so that they could track productivity to the second. People walking a delivery route were expected to do it fast, and better routes went to faster carriers. Slow carriers got mercilessly hassled to be faster and were disciplined for slowness. Look at Newman on Seinfeld. Going postal due to overwork was not really a joke there, because people would flip out and murder their bosses. I hear it's worse now with GPS. Pre-internet, there used to be a huge volume of mail that got shuffled around the country every day. Quantities of mail that you would find hard to believe compared to what we see now. I was a broke college student home for the summer and was willing to work any hours they gave me, so the supervisors liked me. I was also very friendly with most of the full-time carriers because I was a good worker and didn't rock the boat. Also, for other reasons that you'll see below. I'm a fairly big guy, 6 foot 5 or about 195 centimeters, about 210 pounds back then, and I could carry a lot of weight, so that also made management happy. I was also in my early 20s with long legs, so I could move fast carrying a lot of weight. Sorting mail back then was labor intensive and took a lot of time to learn. I had a regular route that I would deliver in the afternoons that was sorted by a regular. I would usually do oddball delivery stuff in the mornings, help move heavy things around, do special deliveries, etc. I would also deliver for full-time carriers that went on vacation or whose T6 was on vacation. Side note, mail delivery is six times per week, but full-time carriers only work five days per week. The T6 is a full-time carrier who did the six day for five routes. That way, it worked out that everyone only worked five days per week. At the time, a lot of retail catalogs were mailed to houses, 
a lot of them. Some were substantially bigger than current magazines. We also delivered magazines, ads, packages, and samples. A lot of companies would mail free samples of products like laundry detergent, shampoo, and other liquids to be delivered to every house on the route. These were the bane of carrier's existence because they were bulky and heavy. This slows you down and is physically taxing. Usually carriers would divide the very heavy stuff up and deliver it throughout the week. On to the revenge. I was assigned to do the T6 work for Dave, name changed, for a few months. Freaking Dave. Picture a failed phys ed teacher in his 40s, bad mustache, about 5 foot 7, wore knockoff sunglasses like Magnum PIs, and had an opinion about everything. Dave learns he has me as his T6 and decides he'll leave all of the heavy stuff for me. So once a week, I got confronted with the entire week's worth of heavy mail for this jerk's route. I confronted him about it and he basically laughed and said there was nothing I could do about it. The other full-time carriers didn't like Dave much, but I was a temp and he was there permanently. So I was encouraged to just suck it up. I went to our boss and escalated to our postmaster, but was told that he was full-time and I was a temp so I just had to deal with it. If the mail needed to be delivered that day to meet the deadline, I had to make it happen. The postmaster's exact words were, just deliver every piece of mail for the route as fast as you can and don't worry about the time it takes or anything else. You're making huge overtime on this route. They did talk to Dave and most of the egregious stuff stopped, but I was still doing most of the hard work on this route. I mentioned earlier that everyone was always on the clock and tracked. In my first week, some of the nicer people took me aside at the beginning of the summer and made it clear to me that I was not to move quickly when delivering full-time carriers routes because it could make them look bad and cause trouble for them. As a temp, I should always take longer than the full-time carriers because 1. My job was limited and the USPS did not really track temps closely. 2. I had zero experience, so everything should take me longer. 3. This was a union shop and they would hate to have to kick my butt for messing up their jobs, and four, most of these people were awesome, and I wanted to be a team player. So, I was incentivized to move slowly and not make the full-time people look bad. Side note, I am very pro-union and pro-labor, so this is not intended to knock unions, but the context is needed. I decided to wreck Dave's job since he was such a bullying little tool. I requisitioned two additional mail carrier bags. These are the over-the-shoulder satchels you see all the time. I was asked why, and I specifically told them it was to be able to carry all of the heavy items on Dave's route without having to keep going back to my jeep to reload along the way. The postmaster personally approved it. After doing Dave's route one to three times per week, he called in sick a lot too. For a few weeks, I knew it very well and was staying on top of all the heavy stuff. Once I was comfortable with the route, I started running it. I would literally load up three mailbags for each segment of the route and jog or run his entire route. Dave's route took him about four and a half hours per day to walk. This was probably accurate for him and he'd been on the route for several years. I would finish it in three hours or less, every day, rain or shine, no matter how many magazines, samples or packages were waiting. No one really noticed I was coming back so quickly and punching back out of delivering his route when I was only doing it a few times per week. I would come back, pick up other work, and get that done. The fun started when Dave took a two-week vacation and I handled his route six days per week. Since I was doing the work right, 
there was never a backlog of heavy items landing on me once per week. This made it even easier to jog or run his route as I was back to using one mailbag and fast walking or jogging was enough to get it done quickly. I frequently got it done in under three hours and never took longer than about three and a half. My personal best was under two and a half hours. I got pulled aside by my supervisor and the postmaster after the first week. They asked me about my timekeeping practices and I confirmed that I was doing things correctly. I would punch into his route and departure, keep the appropriate logs, and punch back in when I got back. The postmaster then asked me about Dave's route. I played completely dumb. He noted that I complained about the mail volume several weeks ago and that I used to take six, seven, or more hours to get it delivered. I explained that I was spreading the heavy deliveries out over the whole week and that that had really made a difference. He asked me if I was really delivering all the mail and whether I was hiding or throwing away mail. A serious problem if true. I got very offended and told him I delivered every piece of mail for the route every day. Then I dropped the bomb. I told him I was having trouble understanding why this route was budgeted four and a half hours to deliver when it clearly could be done much faster than that. I pointed out that it was a lot of dense multifamily housing, which means less walking. I told him lots of people on the route seemed surprised that I didn't want a soda pop or to sit down and talk for a minute, like Dave always did with them. Pure lies. All in my innocent, gosh I wanna help the USPS voice. I told the postmaster that I was delivering all the mail as fast as I could and not worrying about anything else. I jogged the route again for the next six days and kept getting it done in much less time than Dave. Dave didn't know about any of this. He made a point of finding me on his first day back to ask how I enjoyed doing all the hard work for him while he was vacationing. I told him I'd learned a lesson about how to treat your coworkers. He laughed at me and went back to sorting mail. He came back a few minutes later and said he got me a souvenir. He then pulled his middle finger out of his pocket. Classic Dave. That was my last week at the USPS and I headed back to college. I kept in touch with some of my friends I'd made there and one of them was very happy to tell me that Dave was fired about two months after I left. Due to the massive discrepancy in how long it took me and him to deliver the route, the higher-ups audited his route and discovered that he was actually lollygagging, taking unauthorized breaks and apparently having an affair with a woman on his route all on the clock. I, on the other hand, was in great physical shape after all that running and had pockets full of cash for that semester. His regular T6 also got most of the heavy stuff dumped on her, so she didn't get into any trouble for her delivery times because she was swamped with heavy mail on her day. She actually bid for and got the route full time when Dave was shown the door. I have more stories of my glorious summer at the USPS, but crushing Dave is one of the high points. I feel like anybody that hears the story and hears about the old mustached jerk of a man named Dave, they're pretty much all going to be happy that Dave was taken down. For some reason, it makes clear sense that this 1970s gym teacher, who is also a mailman, was caught having an affair on the route. Why does Dave just perfectly fall into like every chain of that stereotype? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.